When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Well, we both expected a win, Greg, but I don't think either of us expected what we saw on Sunday, an absolute thrashing of the Chargers by the Patriots. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, episode number 29. Subscribe, rate, and review. Let's jump right into it, Greg. What in the world happened on Sunday, and how were the Patriots able to just embarrass the Chargers? Yeah, it, it's a good question, Nick, and, I, and I've been wrestling with it. Um, I think sometimes in football, things are sort of unexplained, and sometimes things just, you know, sort of, you know, keep just keep gathering moss going down the hill, and and I feel like that was one of the scenarios here. I mean, you know, the, just to explain to people, the way that I watch games, I mean, it's different than say, watching the game at home, certainly from, you know, the coaches film, but also I split up the game. So I'll watch all of the offensive plays. Then I'll watch all of the defensive plays. Like I don't get into it's, – it's, it's basically a way to keep things separate and that I can judge each play. The theory is judge each play unto itself and don't worry about the game situations or anything like that because really at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, what the, the conditions around a play shouldn't matter it's the execution of the play. That's what I'm looking at. And, um, you know, I thought for the large part, um, you know, I, look, the special teams thing, I, I'm not going to really talk to. Um, I'm not a big special teams guy. The Patriots always have at least one game, usually one game this uh, a year, a team that they normally would have beaten if they didn't do anything on special teams, uh, where the special teams pops and everybody gets all excited about Belichick and the special teams. And, I think that was this game for this year. I think, uh, you know, like Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders uh, has been tweeting about sort of his statistics that th- this Charger special teams is one of the worst they've ever recorded. Yeah, it's um, ever. Yeah, yeah they're, I mean, they're terrible. So the Patriots did what they did. They should have done there. They exploited that. Uh, I, I would say in general, I thought their offense was um, inconsistent. It was clunky. I think that would be representative by, you know, they really had the Patriots had, what, three touchdowns. Um, you know, one was off an interception. So really two, they had a 75-yard touchdown drive, a 54-yard touchdown drive, and then the Stidham drive. That was really it for the offense in the game. And that's kind of the way things played out. The defense you know, I have a hard I Nick, I, to be honest, I have a hard time telling you whether this was good or not or a step forward. They well, look, they executed in and, and I would say they executed up front. I mean, they had they pressured Herbert at a rate of over 40% in this game. They yeah. didn't have to blitz. To me, and I know we talked about it last week, the Cardinals offensive line was was not good last week. This Chargers offensive line might have been the worst I've ever seen that I've ever watched coaches film on. I mean, that's how bad they were. I mean, like there were I remember one time Josh Uche got a clean hit on the quarterback and and the left guard is just they they got so mixed up that the left guard's just putting one hand on him expecting <laughs> yeah. help and it's not there. 
that kind of stuff went on the whole game where I'm watching the film and I'm like, why the hell do they do that? Why did they do this? What's going on? What are they doing? And <laughs> a little inside football for you. I, I was like, all right, now I have to look up who the offensive line coach is. And it's James Campen, who uh, let's just say I had a co- colorful relationship with when he was with the Packers, when he was oh, the Packers offensive line coach. Interesting. And I thought that um, I didn't really think Campen was all that good. I thought he had good players, and that's why they won that Super Bowl when he was there. McCarthy didn't bring them to Dallas or anything like that. So, uh, look, they played really well on defense. They were smothering. Herbert didn't have a chance. I was like, by the fourth quarter, I was like, what the hell are you doing to the kid? Like, what what are we doing here? The score gets out of whack. It's 28 nothing. Now it's pin your ears back. You don't have to worry about a running game. It's easier to rush the passer. All that stuff factored in. But look, the play, Patriots played great on all three phases. Are, are the Chargers a good team right now? No. But the Patriots are getting better. The, a real test is coming on Thursday night. And then we'll know a little bit more about this team. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into the game against the Rams in a few minutes for sure. Uh, just a couple of things from this game that I wanted to highlight. The special teams, I will say, I know a lot of people are looking at the Chargers and saying, well, the Chargers are terrible, and that's true, but let's not forget Gunnar Oshevsky should have had a touchdown against the Cardinals as well the week before if it wasn't for the blindside block. Whether it was a legit call or not, you know, hey, that's what happened, and it would have been a touchdown. So now that's two straight weeks that we've seen Gunnar Oshevsky have three really good punt returns. I do think that means something because how many years did we sit around and say, man, can they just find somebody other than Julian Edelman that could first field a punt and then second, make a play? And I thought the second return yep. by Gunnar Oshevsky, it was a great job by him. You know, I do think if you get a little nerdish inside of what happened, the touchdown return, that's because the Patriots played games with the Chargers. They had, mm-hmm. you know, they brought what looked like it was going to be an all-block punt, and that was to bring the Gunners in. And because the Gunners came in on that formation thinking that the Patriots were going to try to block the punt, they couldn't get downfield in time to get to Gunner. Gunner gets a touchdown. The second return that Gunner had that was really good, that was Gunner. You know, setting up his blocks, the hesitation move, being patient. So I do think there's something that you can take from it. Are you going to get touchdowns every week? Of course not. But if somebody can actually field punts consistently and maybe give this offense better field position, Greg, that's huge because we know this offense has not been consistent. So if you can get some extra yardage from your special teams, especially on the punt unit, I do think that means something. The other thing I'll say about the pressure, it's nice to see them get pressure. And I agree with you, the Chargers offensive line had a decent amount to do with that, but they still got pressure on Herbert. They turned Herbert into, I don't know, pre-Oregon Herbert. He he looked very uncomfortable. And the one thing I take away from the defense, Greg, and I want your thoughts on this. I, I know you mentioned the Uche thing about the offensive line being confused and he had the free run at the quarterback. I agree. But his snaps are steadily progressing. And he's out there more and more and more. As a matter of fact, I think Belichick gave him some extra responsibilities this past weekend, which jumps out to me. It it seems like Uche is earning trust with the coaching staff. And I go back to what you said at the beginning of the season. Uche was starting during camp. And then he had the injuries, got off to the slow start, was on IR. Now he's back getting more snaps. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you the guy's going to be an all-pro or even a pro bowler. But I do think we are seeing him get better and better each week. And Belichick is telling us he is by giving him more snaps and responsibility. Okay. On Uche, um, I'll say this. It, um, it, it, I, I, 
I want to see how much he plays this week because then we'll have a real indication. Like it's yes. Cause I went back and looked at his snaps. Cause I was like, you know, to tell you the truth after the film, I was like, I didn't really notice Uche that much. So I wanted to see what a snap count was. And he did, yes, he did play more after playing basically consistently about 16 snaps the game before. I think this was more like 32, something like that. My reaction to his increase in snap counts was that was dictated by score. That if this if this was a close game and the other team could run the ball, because even okay. Belichick said he it's situational. He's a he's a, basically he's a role player. It's a situational role player. If the other team had to run and they had to play real defense every down, then he wouldn't have played as much. They basically the whole second half they were in, you know, nickel dime whatever, you know, because they knew the the Chargers weren't going to run the ball down twenty eight nothing. Right, right. And and the other thing I want to say is. I want to call BS on what Belichick was talking about with communication. I mean, I I just don't know what he's talking about because it's not it's not there on film. Like, and I was looking for it after his quote the other day. I was like, okay, well, where's this communication stuff? And snap after snap, especially in the second half, because you would think you would see it more in the second half because he's on the field more and he's around more younger guys and this and that. Um, I didn't see very much. I don't know if he was talking about during the play, maybe communication, certainly not pre-snap. I didn't notice anything, and you don't really – I mean, yeah, John Simon will give a hand signal here and there. But uh, for the most part, you know, they use Uche and a couple other people as um, as a spy with a three- and a four-man rush. Herbert never ran in this game, uh, which was weird. It was a different approach for them in terms of how they used him. And, uh, yeah, the pass rush was certainly effective. They're, they're doing a little bit more and more every week. I thought this was – if I was looking for a silver lining for the defense to say, all right, this might be important down the road, is that it looked like against a mobile quarterback, they found a way to marry the coverage and the rush to where they were spying the quarterback and still and being able to play man-to-man behind it. They played more man in this game – against a mobile quarterback than they have before where they've usually used zone and they've gotten carved up. So maybe maybe they found something in that respect. Yeah, again, I'm not going to sit here and say that Uche is a pro bowler by any stretch, and I, I haven't watched him specifically snap to snap like you have. I would just say, being the layman of the two people on this podcast, he's popped for me a few times. And I think he, oh, shows, sure. up, he shows up in moments, and I think his athleticism – is much, much needed on this defense. Absolutely. And I, I do think he can make some plays with that athleticism, and I think he he could get to the quarterback consistently as his snaps go up. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before we move on to, to Cam and Stidham and all that other stuff, the run game. I mean, I think, again, when the Patriots, it's kind of strange, when the Patriots decide to run the football, and I think that's somewhat matchup-based, you know, against – some teams like Arizona, Arizona was pretty much playing almost a goal line defense and saying, hey, throw the football against us. You mentioned last week, Greg, and I, I think you were dead on, that the Chargers, they're, they're weak at linebacker, and they play a lot of nickel. And so that was a team that you felt like they could run against. And I felt the same way, and they did. They gave the football to Damian Harris. I think it was five, six touches out of the first seven or eight snaps in this game. They wanted to establish Harris in the run game, and they were able to do that through, through most of it. Yeah, and and Cam, I thought. Yeah, Cam, Cam was more of a central part of the the running game, and and when people have talked about like why aren't they doing this and that with Cam, um, you know, my thought has always been, and I don't think we've talked about it, is um, 
well, number one, that I don't think a lot of people have really watched Cam previously in his career. They don't really know what kind of quarterback he is. And they think he's going to run like Lamar Jackson. Well, no, he's more like, he's more like a, he's more like a power back than anything else. And really in Carolina, his, his MVP year. Um, and I did a big story on this for sports illustrated from, uh, I think it was from Super Bowl week that year. Uh, they Carolina was really successful and ahead of their time. And I think teams have, you know, since like with everything else learned how to deal with it is that they, they found a way to use cam more in a power run game, like a traditional power run game that was dressed up with the quarterback and bells and whistles and things like that. But really, I mean, like, you know, the, the, the cam run around left end where he almost scored, where Illuminor made a really nice play helping Ryan Izzo out. Cause when I saw the play, I was like, Oh, oh geez, Ryan Izzo's going to have to <laughs> walk Joey Bosa here. Like how's that going to work? And luckily Illuminor pulled off his path and said, I'm going to help out my boy over here because there's no way he's going to hold up against Bosa. And, and that made that a successful play, but that sort of counter, that's a counter run where he fakes one way and then all of a sudden you got a pulling guard or in that circumstance you have a pulling tackle. You have Sony Michelle as a lead blocker who probably peeled off a little bit early. Um, those are the type of runs that Cam's really been good at in his career. That's the way, you know, the the the, old, the Panthers in 2015 with Mike Shula as coordinator, they used to run like – you know the the dolphins um the dolphins uh power sweep they used yep. to run the counter tray the the packers power sweep they used to do all this stuff and i maybe teams have have answers for it now but really that's the way cam is best that's the way to best use him as a running back i think mcdaniel's is 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 getting more of his in his sweet spot as far as that and you know look there's no question <laughs> and we'll get into this now with our next topic but there's no question the running game has to be a priority for the Patriots yeah. from here on out. We've talked about it all year, but I think Sunday, like you said, was another example of that. All right, so let's get into the Cam game. Uh, your thoughts, I mean, you send notes before every podcast, and this is the note that you sent about Cam. He was awful in the second half. Yeah. Uh, you know, at halftime, I was um somewhat enthused uh I thought you know I had him for six plus plays three down plays uh one of his plus plays included a throw to Jacoby Myers that was dropped there was a run there was two touchdowns uh he had a good throw against pressure at one point to Bird and uh he did a nice job uh with his scramble feeling pressure something we've talked about that he hasn't been good at in the past yep um, as far as his negatives in the first half, he had the fumbled snap, which was his fault. Uh, there was a throw to James White where he was high on the screen. Yep. And then there was a decision that uh, there was one throw where I forget who it was, but somebody was wide open because the Chargers ran into each other on defense. And I want to say it was Myers was wide open in the middle of the field and Cam didn't throw the ball. Um, so that was the first half. The second half, uh, you know, and I think I think McDan- McDaniels wanted to test them a little bit more. They just didn't want to sit on the 28-0 lead. And I had them for five negative plays, zero-plus plays in the second half. And, like, it was just throw after throw. Throwed up Jacoby Myers in the end zone high. Uh, the decision to throw to – oh, no, this was the play where he decided. It was the play where he threw the, throw the, uh, threw the ball to Jakob Johnson and nearly got Johnson decapitated yeah. yep. in the left flat. J- 
Jacoby Myers was wide open in the middle of the field because the guy covering him was was down. There was a low throw to Jacoby Myers uh, that I think went for 13 yards, but it was still low. A high throw to Jacoby Myers. Uh, the underthrow, the deep underthrow to Jacoby Myers down the right sideline. So, it, it look, it wasn't good. Um, and it got worse as the game went on. I'm starting now to believe that possibly there is some sort of injury thing. And I don't know if that's the abdomen or if it's shoulder. But, it, it, Nick, look, I'm just going to tell you flat out, it wasn't much better in this game than it was last week. Uh, outside of the running. You take away the running and we're talking about him just as a passer, I don't think it was much better. And look, I understand the formula with Cam for him to be successful, for this offense to be successful, is never going to be just Cam as a thrower. So part of the equation, when people say, oh, well, he sucks as a thrower, he can't throw. Yeah, but what does he do with his feet? You know, he has to balance out. This isn't Alex Smith sitting in the pocket where there's right. really no running game. Yeah. Um. So that's part of the equation. So, But just as a thrower... He was not good in this game. He just wasn't. And the concern is, what do the Patriots do in a tight spot? Because there is no margin for error anymore. I think they have to win out with what's going on in the playoff race. What happens if the Patriots are down two scores in the second half? And, and you know, right now, I think that Jared Stidham's a legitimate option. Certainly, Cam is still the starter. But... Uh, they, the Patriots can't afford to wait much longer, and it's not getting better throwing the football for Cam. So I don't think there's any way Cam gets benched unless things go off the rails. And what I mean by rails is what you're talking about. If you're down two scores in the second half, if you're down you know, three scores in the second half, yeah. then I think the, the trigger is pulled. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I don't think it's happening. Um, I agree. I agree this, with you. This, this team has won four out of the last five. And mm -hmm. and I, I see everything that people see with Cam Newton. I am not a Cam Newton apologist. I have no agenda here. I, you know, I said, if Cam is healthy, you know, he's 31 years old. He could get back to that top 10 to 15 quarterback that he was for eight or nine years. I don't know if it's a health thing. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know what it is. I, I'm not going to sit there and try to play doctor here on the podcast, but I see what everybody else sees. Um, I, I do think two of the negative plays you brought up, if I remember correctly in the second half, there was pressure. The Jakob Johnson throw, I think Cam felt like he had to get rid of it quickly and maybe didn't even look at Myers because of that. The Myers underthrow, I do think Cam was, if not hit on that play, I do think he got pressure on that play. So I think two of the negatives you know, could have been more on the offensive line in those moments. But listen, I, I'm not trying to put lipstick on, on, on a pig here when he doesn't throw the football well. I've seen it. But as I said last week, I felt the same way when we talked about the idea of benching Stidham and I mean, benching Cam and why is Cam starting against the Chargers this weekend? You're not going to make the move when you're winning. And right. that might sound weird or, or bad or, you know, people might argue, yeah, but Nick, they're winning with Cam. And if Stidham could be better, you know, maybe they'd be winning prettier. I don't know. Maybe not. You know, I, I know people saw Stidham, and I'm a Stidham guy. Out of Auburn, I liked him. I liked him coming out of college. I thought he could be a starting quarterback one day in the NFL. Maybe he will end up being that guy. But he made two throws in a blowout, and people are acting like he's Tom yeah. Brady. Like, Let's relax on that, okay? Like my guy Andy Hart, I even saw tweeting out like, oh, you know, the small sample size I saw on Sunday, I'm ready to see more. Two throws? Two throws against the bad defense? In a blowout. Yeah. In a blowout. Like mm -hmm. everybody calm down here for a minute, okay? Yeah. 
Um, and I'm, a, I'm and again, I like Stidham out of college, and I think he could be a starter. But I'm not going to go, oh, he made two throws against a bad defense and a blowout, so now I'm going to fully go with, with Stidham. And I'm not saying that's what Andy's take was, but Andy was like, hey, I want to see more of him. Right. So I think when it's it's impossible for Belichick to make this move right now. You've won four of your four out of your last five. I said this last week, and I think it, I put even more emphasis on it this week. Belichick is not going to drop the proverbial bomb in the locker room after winning four or five games. He's I don't see him walking in there and saying, "Okay, so Cam has worked his tail off. He's done everything that I've asked him to do on and off the field." He's obviously not been what I was hoping he'd be as a passer, but we've won four out of the last five. And again, you're a block away in Seattle from being seven and five. And, you know, what would the feeling be if you're seven and five and you leapfrog over, you know, Vegas? So I think I think Belichick looks at this and says, we're winning. And unless there's a, a really bad situation happen, which might develop on Thursday, which we'll talk about, and you feel like, all right, we got to make a change here to see if we can get a spark. I don't see it happening. I, I think Cam is the guy. Even if they lose against the Rams, I think Cam is the guy. And I think Belichick's looking at the schedule and says what we said, Greg, going back to the very beginning of the podcast. I don't know if it was episode one or not, but when you and I talked about this team, and I said this on EEI, and I'm sure you said this on the Sports Hub, this team is likely 9-7. and seven. If things go better than expected, they're 10-6. and six. If things go a little less than better, you know, a little less than expected, then they're probably seven and nine, maybe eight and eight. And here we are. We're six and six. You got the Rams coming up on Thursday. You've got the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins last three games. They could easily be nine and seven. They could easily be eight. That's what this team is. So I don't think Belichick is going to make a, a dramatic change here in the middle of winning four or five. I I don't see yeah. it happening. I, I yeah, he is not. Um, Jared Stidham's not going to start until they're out of it. I mean, that's just flat out what's going to happen. So if you, if you're wishing for something else, like you're going to keep waiting, um, you know, on Stidham's stint in this game, um, a couple of things, a couple of points to bring up. Uh, number one, I thought his actually, I thought his best throw was his first throw. Um, it showed me more and it was incomplete. It was a little bit underthrown and I'll tell you why, uh, so he comes in cold into that game. Yep. And normally, and by the way, just to give people a bigger picture sort of comment on this, normally in those circumstances, the Patriots are up, I think, was it 35 nothing or more at that point? 35, because they, they score or what have you. 38, whatever. 38, 38 yeah. Um, so normally in those circumstances, you send a quarterback in, and basically the unwritten rule is you hand off, hand off on yeah. third down. Yep, yep. you run your football. Then you can and throw. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's basically the unwritten rule. And what do the Patriots do? They come in, not only do they throw the ball, but they run play action, which is a little dicey. Um, but look, I think that the Patriots didn't really care, didn't have anything to do about Anthony Lynn, didn't have anything to do with the Chargers. It had to do with the fact that I think, first of all, Josh McDaniels is calling those plays, but they know that uh, that, that, that coaching staff's getting fired. So they, they don't have anything to worry about. It's not like they're playing the Jets or the <laughs> Anthony Dolphins. Anthony Lynn is awful. Oh, oh yeah, he is. So I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I, we, we haven't said it yet. We just got to say it at least once in this podcast. He is, good. he might be a nice guy, terrible yeah. coach. 
Exactly. Um, so they didn't have to worry about, all right, this is paybacks coming, you know, like Trent, whatever Trent, I wasn't listening to the telecast, but whatever Trent Green was saying. So they come out and they run play action. And what I like there, first of all, on all three, well, the gunner play was something separate, but the first three, two throws that he made, nobody was open. Okay. Everybody's covered as usual with the Patriots. And, um, he what what happens is is the only hope on the play is Nikhil Harry running a route that takes a while where it's almost like it's almost like a question mark type of route. So Stidham knows this and he has to buy time, and so he does. Like he doesn't just throw it away. He waits a beat. Now he's got Joey Bosa coming square at him. This is after you know Stidham's cold on the bench. He's coming yeah. in cold. First play, play action. He decides to is he's taught to buy a beat of time. He does. Joey Bosa's coming at him, and he throws the ball, and he gets hit it just as he's releasing it, and that's why the ball was slightly underthrown. Even though a better receiver probably catches that ball than Nikhil Harry, um, so that that play showed me a lot. Like it really did. I mean that that he took that extra beat, threw that ball, took the hit from Joey Bosa. Um, I really like that. The second down play, again, nobody's open. Stidham thinks, I'm going to throw the ball to Sony Michelle where only he can catch it. That ends up happening. What a catch by Michelle. Yeah, it was A, lucky that it wasn't picked off, but B, a sensational catch by Sony Michelle. Just sensational. Like one-handed, tipped it to himself, what have you. That was great. So the Gunnar Olszewski play, which of course has um, some people all hot and bothered. Um, <laughs> pants off, pants off. Yeah, pants off about, oh, look at the great quarterbacking. He's looking off this. He's doing that. No, just stop. You don't You don't know what you're talking about. That is not a play where Jared Stidham is surveying the field and looking off the safety and throwing this. What it is is it's a scripted play. There is – it's basically a paint-by-numbers play where you have Nikhil Harry is running a, a wide receiver screen. They have the two guys, Gunner and I think Myers, in front of him. And so the Patriots run this play all the time. They've been running it for years. They've, they've I think Chris Hogan has scored a touchdown on this play. Yeah. Uh, almost the same exact play. So what happens is, so Nikhil Harry starts to back up like it's going to be a wide receiver screen, and now you're reading one defensive back who is ever covering Gunnar Olszewski there. If that guy goes for the wide receiver screen, then Gunner and Stidham go on the little skinny post and throw that because it should be wide open, yep. which it was there. If he stays back, then they throw it to Nikhil Harry. It's a wide receiver screen. So it's an it's it's a it's an A or B pass. It's so a predetermined next, play, and he knows where yeah. to go depending on what the defender does. They're reading one defender, wherever that guy goes, he determines what Stidham's going to do with the ball. Yep. It's not his own decision. So that was just a run of the mill, whatever type of play. So Stidham did fine. Um, I do think that they wanted to see him throw. I do think that they wanted to test him a little bit. I do think they wanted a little bit more information should the situation arise, like, say, in week 16, week 17, where it's do or die. This team, they're down 17 points with a quarter and a half left. Cam Newton can't throw that day. What are we going to do? We're going to put Stidham in. At least he has some confidence now from this stint. Hopefully he can get some more time here and there, but I do think that's sort of the plan. Sidham's the backup plan, the break glass in case of emergency, then we'll see him. Yeah. And I don't think it's out of the the question that he might 
resurface here towards the end of the season. As you said, depending on how all of this goes, it'll be fascinating to see about the incentives we've talked about with Cam. Does Belichick give Cam the incentives and says, hey, you know, be a good soldier here and we're going to pay you, but we want to see Stidham the last game or two. And then Cam kind of just accepts it and says, okay, that's how we're going to do it. Or yep. does Cam want to play every game? And, you know, it, it, does he try to draw the hard line with Belichick? How does that all work out? But I, I don't think we'll see Stidham again unless there's a big lead uh, or there's a big deficit. If this team is totally out of it, you're looking at the last week or two. Maybe you can, you know, maybe actually you can play Stidham and, and see what he looks like. And if he loses, hey, you get a better draft pick. If he wins, well, now you've seen what you've got in Stidham, and, and maybe that will affect your decision-making in the offseason when you talk about quarterback. Uh, let's look at the Rams now, Greg. What do you make of this game on Thursday night? Of course, everybody's going to bring up Aaron Donald, which they should. The guy is an animal. Uh, you've got Jalen Ramsey, who's having a terrific season as well. And, you know, the Patriots. I mean, defensively against Sean McVay, there's a lot to get into. What are you thinking? Yeah, and ju just in general, I have not had a chance really to look very much at the Rams just because, Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just – Basically, from uh, when I wake up on Sunday through Felger and Maz on Tuesday, I'm wall-to-wall -wall Patriots on grading the, the recent games. Right. So I have not – Thursday night games are not good for me. I have not had a chance to study the Rams. I will on Wednesday. So if you really want my detailed thoughts on the Rams, um, you know, go go get your subscription to BSJ and read me on, on Wednesday. Um, so my general thoughts are – and judging off of the Dolphins game earlier this year against the Rams, uh, the Patriots know how to play the Rams. They know how to play McVay. They'll be able to slow them down. I am not. I'm not the biggest golf guy in the world. Neither am I. Um, he he needs a good running game. He needs a good running game. He needs play action to be effective. Yep. If you take away the running game and he's just shotgun dropping back, he's not that good. He doesn't process the game quick enough. Uh, the Patriots know. You know they'll switch between cover three and man and quarters, and that'll that'll screw up the Rams enough. It'll slow them up enough. The big question is, can they stop their running game? Can they make Jared Goff beat them in this game? And if they do that, I think they have a chance. Now, um, the the Rams' front seven is one of the fastest. And, and look, I'm just judging off of one game that I watched. I don't even know which game it was um, a couple weeks ago. Um, they are fast. And it's not just Aaron Donald. It's all of them. Like, I think we talked about this um, earlier, maybe last week or the whenever we last talked, uh, that Cam better be sped up in this game because those guys are coming. They play on a different speed. If Cam plays this game on Cam's speed, he is going to have issues. He's going to yeah. get killed. He is going to be slow. He is going to turn the ball over. He – he is going to look like he's he's uh, he's lost his touch, and he's going to get embarrassed on national television. I'm just telling you, if that's the way he takes the, the field in this game, that's my fear, that he's not ready for the game speed and he gets exposed. Um, that being said, uh, you know, I – I just think – I think this is going to be a really close game. I don't think either team is really all that good. Um, the, the Rams do have a much better offensive line. They don't have Whitworth, who went out for the year. But other than that, they have a really good offensive line. They have good weapons. I like Henderson, the running back. Uh, they have, you know, Jalen Ramsey is really good. Um, look, it's a talented team. I I have a lot of respect for McVay and the way he thinks about games. I think that he's looking at payback 
for the Super Bowl. He's trying to get that. I think he was a little embarrassed by that game, and he should be. Um, but I think this is this is a close game. To me, it comes down to can the Patriots run the ball to put Cam in a better position? Can they stop the run to put Goff in a worse position? That's what, how the game's going to be decided for me. Yeah, the, the thing that we all have to pay attention to is who's actually going to be playing on Thursday night. And J.C. Jackson was banged up in the game on Sunday. Jonathan Jones was banged up on the game in the game on Sunday. You know, if you're talking about Joan Williams and, and some other guys out there trying to defend, then I do think there could be some openings for the Rams. I, I think, you know, they love, you know, when you talk about the run, you talk about somewhat of the Shanahan system McVay can run at times, right? Yep. And I think you've got Henderson and Akers. Cam Akers, the last two weeks, has gotten a lot more touches. I think he had 21 carries this past weekend. Akers is an explosive back who could give the Patriots some issues. So I think, you know, I tend to agree with you. If the Patriots can limit that run game and put the game on Goff's shoulders and don't give up big plays and don't fall for the trickery and the misdirection that McVay will run and all that good stuff, then they could have success against Goff and make this a tight game. On the flip side, I'm very concerned about the offense in this one. And, you know, I I think the Rams defense is pretty good. And, you know, I look at the limited weapons the Patriots have at receiver. I mean, you see Ramsey shutting guys down that just don't get shut down this year. And he's consistently doing it. And so I don't know if you're going to be able to throw for more than 100 yards in this game. I don't know if you go in thinking you want to throw for more than 100 yards in this game. I think this is your prototypical Bully ball, try to establish the run, keep the ball away from the Rams, and make this, you know, as few possessions as you can. And if you win 17-14, super ugly on the road, and you have a clean sweep out in L.A., throw a parade if you're Belichick coming back home at 7-6. and six. So uh, we'll give our picks in a few minutes. But first, let's jump to the uh, bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Uh, check them out over at BSJ, 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro Sports, But if you're a Pats fan, and of course you are, a membership at BSA gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coaches' film and direct access to him in weekly chats. We're actually going to pull a question from Twitter, uh, Greg, this week. The difference between third and 17 and third and 11 in quarterbacks. Yeah, Nick, let me give you a a quick background on this. So um, it it was during I was watching uh, the – the Steelers, uh, who the hell they play? Who's Alex Smith? Oh, Washington. The W yesterday. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I tune in early in the game, and you know, it's third and eleven, and I see the normal Alex Smith, which is it's third and eleven. He gets outside the pocket. He could make a throw deep. What's he do? He check down for four yards. To me, that's Alex Smith. That's what he does. And I said something about it, and some some guy on Twitter was like, "Oh, how's that different than Cam Newton checking down for ten yards to Nikhil Harry on third and seventeen on Sunday?" And, um, like, you know, and I I thought just saying like, there's a big difference between third and 17 and third and 11. Yeah. Um, would suffice (laughs) because it's Twitter and I'm not going to get into Look, anybody who follows me on Twitter, I'm not going to get into a big back and forth with you. I don't have the time. It's stupid. Nobody changes anybody's mind. I'm not going to waste my time, you know, but I figured I'd address it here and just point out to people that like, if you remember at BSJ, every Friday or what have you, sometimes changes in the offseason, I do a Q&A where you can ask a question and I will give you a detailed response. I'm not doing it on Twitter. Twitter doesn't pay me, so I don't give a crap. So anyways, there's just a huge difference. Third and 17 is different. No one, 
no one is no one is throwing to the sticks on third and 17 unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. You're not throwing past the sticks on third and 17. You're not. So what you're hoping for is to throw like a 10-yard pass and somebody misses a misses a tackle or somebody falls down yeah. or something. A mistake somebody by the defense. Play. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like uh there was that pass where um who was it? Demir Bird like dove for like 10 yards it seemed like to pick yeah. up that third and long a couple weeks ago. So that's what you're hoping for on third and 17. No one, especially um, unless you're a rare few in this league, you are not even thinking about throwing to the six because the defense should be, unless it's Greg Williams calling the defense, <laughs> it should be, should be playing like three deep, four deep, what have you, some sort of zone where it's hard. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes would buy time and manipulate the pocket and try to find something. That's what they would do. But that's very rare. On third and 11, at least you have a chance to throw past the sticks. You might get pressure. We're probably going to get zone, but there could be some that's that's finding holes in an intermediate zone. So to me, it's just it's apples and oranges. And th- that was my only point. I didn't want to do it on Twitter. It's too long of an explanation. I hate Twitter, but <laughs> I just wanted to I, I figured it would make a good topic to explain people a little bit more about football. But that's what I mean. Third and eleven, you 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 might throw to the sticks. Sticks. Third and seventeen, you're never throwing to the sticks unless you're Rodgers or Mahomes. All right, so it's Rams on Thursday night. They are favored by six. Who you rolling with? Man, this one's tough. I don't have look. I I don't have a totally final score, but I'll tell you where I'm leaning. People can read me on PSJ if they want my pick on Thursday on the day of the game, but. I don't know. I mean, I think that Belichick is in McVay's head. I don't think much of Goff. I think it's going to be close. So let me say, I think the Patriots cover the point spread. Um, So it's less than the six points. Or, yeah, it's less than the six points. So I I say a three-point game, probably. It's going to be 23-20. Right now I'm leaning Rams, but I reserve the right to change my mind. And the it, path staying alive. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you take this prediction out of all of them, our calls on this game, and and we've been okay this year. I think we've been pretty good. I haven't checked the history of it, but yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a grain, a little bit of grain of salt here with this one because it is really early. We usually do this, yeah. you know, two days from now, so we don't know what the injury report's going to look like. We don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of days. Uh, but I, I think that the Rams win this game. Uh, I think the Patriots could stay within the cover. Uh, but I think the Rams will actually cover here. I, I think it's 20 to 13. I, I don't think the Patriots will be able to score enough points and move the ball. You now, of course, right. if they get if they get some turnovers, short fields, special teams helps them out with some short fields, with some return game, then things can change. But I, I'm going to go with 20 to 13. Rams win this one. And really, the Patriots do what was expected of them, or at least I think the best case scenario would have been 2-0, obviously. But you go out to L.A., you split that, you feel almost like mission accomplished. And now you've got the final three games. And if you beat those three teams, which they can absolutely beat all three of those teams, if they play well enough, you look at nine and seven. Uh, He's Greg Bedard, Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode 29. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, We don't know the schedule as of right now. Maybe back later this week, maybe back early next week. Thursday night football kind of throws all of us for a loop. So we're going to try to figure that out. But uh, stay tuned, as as always, on Twitter and everything else. We'll let you know when the next podcast is going to be. But for now, that is it. Be good, be safe, be healthy. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. Until next time, it's the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cassidy.